tell you, we're blessed, aren't we, with Joe and Christy and Josh and Kim and everybody else, and there will be more, uh, I believe, that God's going to allow us to, to minister together. I really appreciate Pastor Vicki as well on the piano over there and all that you do. Let me ask you a question before we get into Scripture here this morning, and uh, think about this just for a second, but uh, how would you answer this question? My life will be complete when? Think about that. Well, how, how would you fill in that blank? My life will be complete when? See, see, I think we all have goals and plans. If you have a goal or a plan today, raise your hand. Okay, Everybody has goals and plans. You have things you want to accomplish in your life. And, and, and oftentimes we become so fixated on those goals and plans that it almost feels like life is incomplete until we accomplish those goals. You know, when, when you're in school, you, you think, as soon as I get through school, then I'll be complete. You know, when I get my high school diploma, when I get my college diploma, when I get that master's degree, when I get that doctor, when, when I get this degree, I'll be complete. When, when I get married, or when I finally get a girlfriend, wherever you are in the spectrum, or a boyfriend, when I get married, I will be complete. Or, or when we have kids. When, when, when we have kids, I, I can remember my wife, when we got married, she was so ready for kids because she was so sick of me. Um, she needs somebody else in the house. When we have kids, we'll be complete. Or when, when we're in our career, when we get that job, we'll be complete. Or, or, or when we have this new home, or when, when our debt is eliminated, or, or when the kids are out of the house will be complete, or when I, when I get past this physical challenge, this sickness, when, when I reach a certain fitness level, when, when I'm retired, I will be complete. And we have these goals, and in our mind, that they become a symbol of completeness, a symbol of wholeness. Last year, many of you joined Terry and I in praying that that house in Hamilton would sell, right? And, and I'll just confess, you know, as, as I'm thinking about that house in Hamilton selling, there's a certain part of me that thinks, man, as soon as I get that house sold, I'll be whole. And now we're, we're waiting for Terry to get a job. Terry still works. Most of you know Terry still works and trans. Uh, she drives back and forth and, and is here some and down there in Cincinnati still. When Terry gets a job in Marysville or is able to work in Marysville, we will be complete. We'll be whole. Can I tell you that house selling didn't la- add any level of wholeness or completeness to my life? And as much as I want Terry to be up here, we can be complete even in the midst of this transition. See, see, these are all good things, and and everyone should have goals, and everyone should have aspirations, but these are not the things that make us complete and make us whole. In fact, our big life events leave us with new challenges and obligations. Think about it. When you graduated, you had to go to work. Uh, Don't you wish you were still at that point where you were dreaming of a career? If you're in school today, you guys have the life. Yeah, you do. 
or, or new jobs. You know, you, you have this dream of this new job, and you get this job, and it's like, I've heard somebody talk about new jobs, like drinking from a fire hose. You know, it's overwhelming, and you don't feel any more complete because you're just overwhelmed or, or ha- being married and kids. <laughs> Those are new obligations, right? <laughs> new challenges? If that's true, say amen. <laughs> or retirement. I don't think anybody works harder than retired people. Any of you that are retired, do you ever stop and wonder how you got everything done before you stopped working? It seems like retired folks run like crazy anymore, and it's, it's just new obligations. I got good news and bad news for you. You want the bad news first? Yeah, well, you're going to get the bad news first, but it's in my notes first. <laughs> Circumstances and relationships will not make us whole or complete. I don't care what the circumstance is. I don't care what the goal is. I don't care what the relationship is. Uh, you know, if you're looking to get married, if you're looking to have kids, if you're, if, you're, if you're looking to retire, if you're looking to get a job, if you're looking to get a house, whatever that goal is, it will never make you whole and make you complete. But we can be complete and we can be whole even in the midst of the journey. That is the promise of Psalm 23. And for the next, this week and two more weeks, we're going to be in Psalm 23. And and we've heard this song. You're always hesitant as a pastor to preach a familiar passage. Number one, other people have preached it, and they've probably done a better job than you're going to do. And they're always, you've got notes in your Bible, and you're going to go, oh, well, you didn't say this, or you didn't talk about that. And it's so familiar. It's like white noise. You know, we've heard this scripture so often that oftentimes our ears stop hearing because we already think we know everything it has to offer. But, but the amazing thing about God's word is, is that God's word is new every day. And it meets us where we are in the midst of the journey and it speaks new and fresh. <laughs> the Bible is an amazing book, folks. Last week I was reading in the through and two and I was in Lamentations. Talk about a downer. <laughs> you know, I, I was depressed about two ch- chapters into Lamentations, and then all of a sudden the, the mood changed and God spoke fresh. <laughs> God's word is fresh and creative. And Psalm 23, if, if we listen, there's more that we can learn. In, in the ups and downs, in the good times and the bad times, in the easy times and the hard times, we can be complete in God. So we're going to read Psalm 23, and I'll, I'll let you stay seated. And, and go ahead and put it on the screen, Mary. Why don't you guys read this with me? Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, help us 
as we look at this familiar psalm. Lord, teach us, lead us, guide us, and feed us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 23 begins with this very simple phrase, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And and this phrase can be translated, I am complete. The Lord is my shepherd, I am complete. And, And I want you to say this with me. I am complete with God. Go ahead and put that up there, Mary. Let's say this together. I am complete in God. Now, that, that you expect. Right? You know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll do sermons and I'll put the points. And it's like, well, duh, they know I'm going to say that. I mean, th- this isn't anything that's brain surgery. You know, we, we affirm this. We, we, we believe this. But sometimes we don't live this, right? Can, can we be honest enough to say that in our hearts or in our minds, if you're sitting in the church today, you probably will affirm that this is true. But oftentimes, the truths that we affirm, we don't affirm with the way we live our lives. And although we say, I am incomplete in God, oftentimes we don't live true to that promise. We, we don't believe it by the way we live our lives. But in this passage, over the next three weeks, we'll see how we are complete in God regardless of, of circumstances, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of your relationships today, you can be complete in God. Now, our focus this morning is is on verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. (laughs) Who needs restored this morning? Oh, man. You know, what what an awesome promise from Psalm 23. You know, this is, who highlights in their Bible? Anybody highlight in their Bible? This should be a whole chapter that probably is yellow. You know, he restores my soul. We are complete because God can restore us. You know, life can be tough. Heard a story about a, a, a man, he was in the grocery store and he had a a little boy in the shopping cart, and the little boy was like not being very good. He was screaming, and you, you ever you ever have kids that reach out and you know in grocery carts and try to knock stuff, you know? So he you goes know, back and forth, and and, and and the dad's going, "It's okay, Billy. It's okay, Billy. We're almost done, Billy. It's okay, Billy. We're almost done, Billy." And he kept saying this, and and the kids screaming and kicking and fighting. It's okay, Billy. We're almost done. It's okay, Billy. We're almost done. And, and and somebody's watching him. He goes to the cash register, and the kids reaching for candy. I know none of your kids ever did that, right? It's okay, Billy. We're almost done. It's okay, Billy. We're almost done. And finally, he's getting him in the car, and the kid's kicking and screaming. He's having to put him in the car seat, and he's not wanting to. You know, he's arching his back. It's okay, Billy. We're almost done. It's okay, Billy. We're almost done. And somebody that observed it said, Sir, I want to tell you, I appreciate your patience with your son, Billy. And he said, Billy's not my son. Billy's me. You know, life's like that, isn't it? You know, we go through life. It's okay, Paul. Things are almost done. We're going to make it. We're almost to the end. You know, life can be rough. And we serve this God who can restore us in the midst of it. Most of the time, it seems like we're, we're chasing all these goals. And it's like we're on this, this life treadmill and and, 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 and the higher your goals, the bigger your aspirations. Uh, 
oftentimes, the faster you've got that treadmill running. And, and it's just like there's no satisfaction, and, and we end up being exhausted, and, and all these things that we think are going to lead us to completeness and wholeness just simply leave us tired. The Psalm 23 includes this promise of a shepherd who can restore us to life. And the word that's used here is, is nepis, which can be translated breath, life, soul. He restores my breath. He restores my life. He restores my soul. I, I like the word breath in the context of this. You ever have one of those days where you feel like you're out of breath? Anybody ever feel like that? that you know, the, you, know it's, you got up at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock and, and you work you know, 10, 12 hours and then, then you got home and there was things you had to do with family and then it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock and you hadn't had a chance even to take your breath. You know, breathing's good. That's a good exercise, right? Well, let's take a breath now. Okay, let's do it together. We're going to... God wants you to breathe. I mean, it's the truth. God wants you to take a breath. God wants you to breathe. And God can give us our breath. It's the same word that's used in Genesis 2-7. It says in Genesis 2-7, Then the Lord God formed man from of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That, that word living being is the soul word, is the breath word, is the life word. I'm, I'm reminded with this living being uh, scripture, when, when Wyatt was little, he, he told my mom before people were humans, they were human beings. Beings, not beings. You know. <laughs> Psalm 23 takes us back to this creation account where, where God breathes life into Adam, into humanity, and he gives it life. He gives it soul. He gives it purpose. He gives it meaning. It gives them breath. And the shepherd's psalm is, is saying, we, we still serve this God that in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of stress, in the midst of ups and downs, he still wants to breathe life into his people. You know, we call this the shepherd psalm, and at least the, the first three verses are, are very particular related to the shepherd. The, the, the next part moves more to the, to the reference of God as our guide. And the last part, I mean, shepherds usually don't set up tables for their sheep to eat at, so it's obviously something different. And so, so we, we move in the context of a host, and over the next three weeks, we'll talk about God our shepherd, God our guide, God our host. But Philip Killer wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's, a, it's an older book, and, and it's only maybe 120, 130 pages. Uh, I, I, I got a copy at, um, at the, the bookstore, Lifeway bookstore, for like five bucks or six bucks, a little paperback. It might not be a bad book to re- read as we're, we're going through this series and just reacquaint yourself. It's, you know, and he looks at, at this scripture through the eyes of a shepherd, and, and he... You know, we're called in the beginning of this to be sheep. And I'm just curious, can we, can we make our best sheep sound? Let, let's hear your best sheep sound, no? Okay, that was pretty good. Every once in a while, you guys need to be up here seeing what I'm seeing. It's kind of fun. We're called to be a sheep. And it's, it's, he uses the analogy of a sheep. And, and so the restoration we look at is, is connected to the work of a sheep. And, and one of the things that, 
that Keller talks about is this ideal that, of, of cast down sheep. Anybody ever heard the phrase cast down sheep? Keller says, and th- this is from the, the, the um, perspective of a shepherd, he said a sheep can end up on its back and there's no way it can get to its feet. And unless somebody comes and restores that sheep back to its feet, that sheep will die laying on its back. And he says, the scripture, when it talks about God restoring our soul, it's giving reference, or at least implied in this, is the work of the shepherd of taking those who are cast down, those who are laying on their back, and they can't get up and putting them upright. I want you to know, in, 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 the, in the midst of life, every once in a while, sometimes you just feel like you're on your back and you can't get up. You know, you're like that commercial, I've fallen, I can't get up. God can restore. And he can put us back on our feet. But, but it's more than just this cast down. It's, it's more than just big events. But this restoration is connected to the work of the shepherd. It's causing sheep to eat, to to rest, and to drink. All these things are necessary, right, for sheep to live. Bruce, animals need to rest, eat, and drink, right? Okay, or they die. And and it's not like every once in a while the shepherd can do that. The shepherd just doesn't say, okay, well, let's, let's feed them Tuesdays and every other Thursday, right? Uh, This is daily. And so the shepherd's psalm is is not really about the big events. It's not being knocked on your back necessarily, although the shepherd deals with that. But the shepherd deals with the day-to-day sustenance, sustaining of the sheep, daily care, the daily need for food, water, and rest, wholeness, completeness is found in being continually renewed by God. If you've somehow got in your mind this illusion that Christianity and and the renewal, if you're waiting until Sunday morning to be filled up, you're missing the point. I got to tell you, this is a daily thing. And if somehow we're not finding space so that God can daily renew us, you're missing the whole joy of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, I I love the imagery here of the day-to-day. It's not something that's hit or miss. As a matter of fact, mature sheep grow more dependent not less dependent on the shepherd. That's how mature sheep sheep age. So if you're an old goat today, (laughs) that's bad imagery, isn't it? If you're a mature sheep today, you're more dependent on the shepherd today than you were yesterday because you realize that your source of life is with the shepherd and the shepherd can be trusted and the shepherd is dependable and the shepherd will lead you to to water and food, good water and food and rest. See, we do not grow out of our need for for continual renewal. Instead, we grow into our need for continual renewal. This isn't something that, okay, I've grown up enough in Christ that I no longer need continual renewal. 
That's why we value worshiping together. That's why we value reading the Bible together. That's, that's why we are unashamed about altar times. Because the more mature in the faith we are, the more we realize we need these times where God can speak to us privately and in a, in a, a powerful way and in a renewing way. And we, we, we believe, i just tell you, I, I believe, and I, I think you believe, that, that as we've gathered into this room, the shepherd is here, and it's in his presence that we find renewal and transformation. And, and so, you know, when, when the opportunity is there and the spirit speaks, we, we, we go to the altar because that's just where we find renewal, where we find our, our food and water and rest. And, and it's not something that, that all of a sudden that we've served God long enough and we've ate enough. Who's ate enough that they don't need to eat it anymore for the rest of their life? Some of us could go a few days. But it's continual. Renewal is found in a satisfied resting in God. I'm going to put this in my notes, but are you satisfied with God? Is he enough? So so what can we learn from sheep? (laughs) Or or what are our barriers to renewal? Keller talks about there's, there's four things that will keep a sheep from lying down in a pasture. The the first is fear or worry. If a a sheep is afraid, if there's worry, if it's scared of something, if it's afraid that there's other animals around that's going to attack, it will not lay down. Is worry keeping you from resting? Honestly, are, 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 are you just so worried about life that you just can't trust God? What are some practical things we can do to, to help us? Because all of us worry from time to time, right? Right? Some of us worry that we don't worry enough. Uh, <laughs> that'll get you on the way home. <clears throat> Journal. You know, what, what, are, what are some things we can do when we find ourselves worrying? Journal. Keep notes. Keep track of God's blessings in your life. You know, it's so easy in the moment to forget how God it, good God is. Right? I mean, there's times that I'm going through something and, you know, it'll be like, man, this is huge. And then I'll stop and remember how faithful God's been. So journaling is good. So, so, so in the midst of trials, in the midst of distress, in the midst of worry, you know, when you've journaled, when you've written down the, the times that God has been true, you can be reminded that God is faithful and he can be trusted. Find others on the journey. We are not meant to do this alone. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about doing this on our own, but we're to do this with other people, other folks. Wesley says that the Bible knows nothing of a solitary religion. In other words, we're in relationship with other people, and we're in relationship with other people to express, show, receive love, and receive encouragement. And so oftentimes, when we're worrying, 
And see, we internalize that, right? Can we be honest enough to say that when we're worrying, the first thing we want to do is internalize that and not share that with anybody else? But the diagnosis is to find people, godly people that you can trust, that you know will pray for you and pray with you and not pray at you. Don't, don't you like it when pray, people pray with you and for you and not at you? But find those people and share and allow them to encourage you. Sometimes what you'll find is they've went through similar circumstances and they can speak to your concern. In the back of the sanctuary, Nancy Thompson made for us um, little post-it notes of Psalm 23. Got you turn and look. But right back the, in front of the Union County map, it says take what you need. You know, God's word is a faithful fount of encouragement. Boy, that sounded very biblical, didn't it? A faithful resource of encouragement. And, and on those little post-it notes are portions of Psalm 23. And so the encouragement is take, take what you need and put it someplace prominently on your rearview mirror. <laughs> Maybe you're going into work and, and you feel like you feel like everything's falling apart. and Maybe one of the, the promises of Psalm 23 is just speaking to you this morning. And you just need to put it on the rearview mirror so as you drive to work, it's right there. Or, or maybe you need to put it on the refrigerator. And every time you get something to eat. Man, we'd probably do more scripture reading if it was right on the refrigerator door. If you, if you, if you put a password on your refrigerator where you had to read a chapter of the Bible first, we would be well fed in food and with scripture, Right? You know, place it someplace that, that you'll see it often. Put it, on the, the, put it on the face of your cell phone. The second thing is fighting. When sheep are fighting, they will not lay down. Are there relationships that need to be restored? I mean, are, are there people that, that, that really, there's tension between you and you, it needs just to be lifted because you're not able to rest in the midst of that conflict? What, what are some practical ways we can do that? Well, radically forgive. You know, forgiveness is this extraordinary thing we can do where we can just turn it over to God. It's not forgetting I mean, you remember wrongs unless God cleanses that from your mind. And sometimes, God, you know, in the course of time, we can forget things. But I'm not saying you have to forget to forgive. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you can forgive if you've forgotten. That's just a bad memory. But to forgive is to say, I am not going to take judgment on my own, and I'm going to turn this over to God. And some of you have relationships in which you are still serving as judge. And God's saying, leave that to me. And, and, and if you want to be restored, it's, it's, it's not that you have to forget. It's, it's not that you have to put yourself in an unsafe position. But you just have to let go of being God. And let God be God. Amen. Want to rest? Forgive. The third thing is misdirected appetites. Um, in other words, sheep can be so enamored with the pasture in the other field <laughs> that they just won't 
lay down. You know, as they're being led to water, that they can become impatient and they can drink from dirty water and end up with disease. And 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 in his book, Killer talks about sheep that um, constantly. He said he had a ewe that was a great sheep and good producer, but she just would not be satisfied. And eventually, guess what? She became dinner because she was leading others away. Boy, that's a bad analogy. I don't think God's going to make us dinner. I hope not. Where are you looking to be satisfied? Where are you spending your money, your time, and your emotional energy? Now, see, we, we, we all have those things that we say are, are what satisfies us, but the rubber hits the road. <laughs> we can see what actually satisfies us by where we spend our energy, our time, and our resources. So what's the prescription here? If, if, if we feel like maybe, and see, this is, the, this is where it really becomes problematic because there is only one source of life, and it is God. There, there is only one way to be satisfied, and it is in God. There, there is only one place that, that we can be complete, and it is in God. And oftentimes, we get caught up in chasing all these other things, and, and these other, you know, in education, and relationships, and jobs, and, and pleasure aren't bad things. But when they become the source of what we think brings completeness and wholeness and satisfaction, and that becomes the most important thing in our life, and we begin to, to, to leave God behind, we find ourselves on this treadmill where there is never any point of satisfaction, and they're empty, and you'll always be empty. Anybody ever eat junk food? Nobody? Okay. Well, let me tell you about junk food. Two hours later, you're hungry again. Oftentimes, we're satisfied with spiritual junk food. And it may even feel good in the moment, but it does not lead to real, lasting satisfaction, wholeness, or completeness. What's a way we can redirect appetites? I believe, and, and, and this is just me speaking, I'm not giving you scripture, but I believe this is true, Giving is the prescription to a misdirected appetite. That, that, that if, you know, all that we're seeking is our own pleasure and money and power, that the best way to move past that is to give. Now, now there's all sorts of ways. We, we have our, our blue ordinary people following Jesus map on the back wall and ways you can serve and give. We have Maley's Mission. Aren't you blessed by Maylie's mission? I am. Amen. You know, a little girl with a, a vision for homeless people. And, and you know, that, that, that may be just a, a, a first step. And in, in, in somehow curbing your appetite for other things and finding an appetite for God is just a give. You know, the, the Bible, God says, you know, test me. Try me. Come, let's reason together. You know, our God is willing to engage you in a conversation and lead you along a path and where you can find wholeness in him if we are legitimate, if we were honest in our pursuit of him. You know, God doesn't expect you to come to him completely formed. As a matter of fact, he expects you to come to him 
with a realization that you're unformed and, and there's really not a whole lot of faith and, and, and you're needing him to lead you along the path. I believe spiritually speaking, sometimes it's in baby steps that we grow best. See, we, 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 we've been conditioned, and, 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 and it's, it's okay, I mean, you know, nothing wrong. We've been conditioned on these big, ah, traumatic experiences. But what I've found in my life, I, I've seen believers that have progressed step by step by step. God's patient. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God's patient? Amen. We can rest in God regardless of our circumstances. That's our promise for this morning. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Oh, an awesome promise. And in the psalm, there's brackets around the psalm, Psalm 23. It begins, the first bracket is really what we've kind of been talking about for most of the morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the first bracket. The Lord is my shepherd, I am complete. This promise of wholeness. And then there's the last verse. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that's the brackets. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Now, when you look at that, what it says goodness and loving kindness will follow me. This follow me is not just a... Uh, you, you ever have somebody that can not, never walk beside you because you... I'm a fast walker, so I, there's a lot of people that they end up behind me, you know, and it's just they're always just kind of a little bit behind. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I'm not going to name my boys which ones are, but some of them are just a little bit slower than others, a little bit more gradual. I think it's just they don't want to walk with Dad. The word that the psalmist that David uses here is aggressive. It's military pursuit. It's, who, liked old, who likes old westerns? I know Adam does because he's got an old-time western mustache going there, yeah. You know, a Wyatt Earp. You know, in the old westerns, when a bad guy robbed the bank, what did they do? A posse! Yeah. Did that not look like something that would be fun to do? You know, ride around on horses and shoot guns at people and stuff? <laughs> you know, you're going to pursue them. You're going to chase them down. This is the language that the psalmist is using. That, that somehow in the midst of life, and I think the psalmist uses this language intentionally because we are so aggressively pursuing our own way that oftentimes God has to chase us down. What if we just stopped? What if you just stopped? And let... God's loving kindness, God's mercy, God's grace just 
catch up. Vicki, can you come and play? You know what I like about Sunday mornings? I mean, we can have every, every day can't be Sunday. But Sunday's good because you can stop. It's, we associate Sunday with Sabbath. And one of the purposes of Sabbath, and, and you know, God built Sabbath into our routine. The ideal of Sabbath is stopping and waiting for God. Stand with me, if you will. We're going to give you some space uh, just, just to meet with God. And uh, I believe in altars. I believe altars are a good place to do that. And so as Vicki plays, maybe, maybe you need just to stop and rest in him. And the altar is a good place to do it. Maybe, maybe you need to redirect some priorities. Maybe there's conflict and you need to figure out a way through it. Maybe there's worry that's just overwhelming you. And so I'm going to invite you to come, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. It's, it's about 9.30, so we've got about 10 minutes before we have to be done. And so I'm going to wait a couple minutes for you to come and pray. And, and then as you feel that people have moved and had space to move around, you can be seated. And we'll take a couple minutes to pray, then I'll close this in prayer. Father, um, right now we just uh, stop before you. Lord, I confess that oftentimes I, I get so busy that I, I don't take the time I need just to be with the shepherd. Just to allow you to, um, to guide me, to be with me, to lift me, to feed me. I, I end up eating earthly, worldly junk food when you're asking me to feed on the eternal, what will sustain me for eternity. Lord, sometimes I'm just distracted. We live in a distracted age. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to rest in you. But Lord, it's not just me, but it's many. If we were honest, Lord, we would we would probably admit that part of this psalm applies to almost everyone in this room. From conflict to worry to distraction to misguided appetites, Lord, it keeps us from fully resting in you. So Lord, help us to be able to, to, to not only say, but to live a life that says, I am complete in God. Not that we stop dreaming. Not that we stop trying. Not that we stop setting goals and having aspirations. But Lord, we have this deep down realization that in the midst of all this, in the midst of ups and downs, good and bad, laughter and tears. We are complete in you. Lord, I pray that um, each person in this room will find space, not only on a Sunday morning, but this week, through the week, to stop and allow this pursuing mercy and loving kindness, this goodness, just to overwhelm us. Lord, I love you. 
I praise you and I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your presence in this church. And I, I pray, Lord, that as we go from this place that we'll have this deep down realization that we're not departing from your presence. Where can we go and be apart from you? So, Lord, give us eyes and ears and a spirit that is aware of you throughout our week. May we not miss those opportunities to be ministered to and those opportunities to minister to other people. Make us instruments that bring glory to you. And Lord, make us vessels that just can receive your spirit and your grace daily. Now, bless us as we go. Keep us, guide us, and protect us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.